Hello everyone, uh, this is Luke John Louis, the host of the Deep Voiceman Show. Uh, thanks for joining us today. We have a treat in store for you guys. Uh, our guest is Bill Gallagher, and uh, <laughs> we're, uh, we're very fortunate to have uh, Bill here. Uh, Bill is a business coach, a keynote speaker, a fellow podcast host, and a strategic planner, advisor, and facilitator. And Bill coaches leadership teams, not just the CEO, through annual strategy and planning and in quarterly sessions uh, using the Scaling Up framework from Vern, Harnish, and Gazelles. And he coaches folks across the USA, Asia, the Middle East, Europe, and Africa. Uh, he's helped firms grow from 10 million to over a billion. And uh, so he uh, coaches and trains uh, people uh, and teams, again, uh, helping the CEO, uh, taking the load off from the CEO, so to speak. So we're very lucky to um, have Bill here as a guest. Uh, he is a very busy man, so he was able to carve out some time in his packed schedule to sit down and have a chat with us. So I guess to start off, can you tell us about your background and how you first gravitated towards doing what you do today? Uh, well, I've been an entrepreneur most of my life. Um, I've had a couple of uh, corporate jobs as well, but uh, but creating and growing things has been something in the background a long time. So I know the world of the people that I coach very well. I've been CEO four times. I've been a partner at a couple other firms. Um, so that was my background. In 2002, um, I started to... Uh, go in a different direction in uh, as a leader and uh, evolve that and a couple of years later I started learning to coach I started coaching on the side and uh, weekends and evenings and that kind of thing uh, while I ran another business and uh, a few years later I became a full-time coach and for eight years now I've been coaching full-time um, companies all over the world uh, focusing on the leadership teams um, as opposed to just individual performance coaching. Mm. So I, I work with companies that are uh, have big goals. Okay, wonderful. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, it's interesting that you've been an entrepreneur for most of your life and you've, you sort of knew early on what you wanted to do and what you wanted to get involved in and, and that's amazing. And you, you know how to coach people and teams because you, you personally have been a CEO uh, four times and a partner and I think that's amazing uh, obviously a lot of coaches uh, you know they don't get to that you know level that they're trying to teach other people to get to so you uh, you you know obviously walk the walk and talk to talk so to speak and you can help others uh, so I'm curious uh, obviously you've been helping people uh, for quite a while uh, since 2002 uh, you've been helping firms who have big goals but obviously we got hit with you know what the pandemic, and uh, I'm curious, what challenges uh, has the pandemic posed, if, if any, for business and entrepreneurialism? Well, it just disrupted everything. So, the, you know, however people used to work before got disrupted, and they had to find new ways to work. Um, and, and the companies that have adapted, I think, have done, by and large, very well, um, and have either survived and, and, in many cases, even thrived in this time frame. And the companies that didn't, uh, you know, have suffered, have gone out of business, have, um, you know, done whatever. So the, um, 
it's it's accelerated and created opportunities for people um, that were willing to lean into it. The the overall world didn't shrink all that much, uh, but the dislocation, the changes in habits are really good. So whatever you're doing, um, you know, God, change came, and there came with that opportunity. Wonderful. Um, so uh, I, I find that to be the true as well uh, in terms of what's been going on. Uh, a lot of companies were able to survive, in some cases thrive, by adapting and pivoting. And so it, it's interesting. You know, they say life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond. And I believe that to be so true. <laughs> uh, obviously, uh, things changed. Things were disrupted, as you said. And a lot of firms were able to find new ways. Uh, and they were able to adapt, so to speak. Uh, so I'm curious, where do you see things going in the future? And where do you see yourself in that future? Uh, well, I'm going to keep on keeping on. This has been a busy year for me um, and for our business in general. Our clients have either been stressed uh, and most have responded really, really well. So we'll be doing more of the same um, and probably increasing the number of people that we work with. Wonderful. That's amazing that you're going to keep on keeping on. And obviously, uh, I think folks like yourself are very well positioned. Um, apparently, I think more and more people are hiring coaches and more and more uh, businesses are being formed and developed and whatnot. So uh, you can definitely, obviously, ride that trend. But I'm curious, uh, what what would you say to someone who views coaching as unnecessary, who kind of is cynical or skeptical about it and rolls their eyes and says, well, why do I have to pay money to someone uh, to be a coach when I can, you know, study a book or do this on my own or whatnot? Well, I think coaching is unnecessary. I don't think you need coaching. Um, if you're not up to something bigger than you know how to do, then you don't need a coach. Um, if you are already know how to do what you're trying to do, then, then go for it. You know, don't bother with the coach. But if you find that you... Uh, don't know how to accomplish, or you're struggling, or it's taking too long, or that kind of thing, um, or you want to achieve a level of performance you've never achieved, or no one's ever achieved before, then that's the time you need a coach. When you're up to something bigger than where you've been, and and uh, that really calls to you, then you need a coach. Wonderful. Um, and uh, I think I think everyone needs a coach, actually. And uh, you know, obviously, <laughs> no, I'm sure not. I don't a, think everyone needs a coach. Look, if you're just sitting on the couch, um, uh, checking out the world, you don't need a coach. And yeah. um, you know, so. But if you if you're up to something, if you want to dominate your category, if you yeah. want to hit a billion dollars, if you want to um, build a thousand person firm or bigger, um, then you might think about getting a coach. Yeah. Nobody's achieved any significant level of breakthrough performance without a coach in any domain, in yes. any realm. Yeah. I totally agree, and uh, I, I guess I should uh, clarify what I was trying to say. Uh, when it comes to coaching, I believe everyone, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a business coach, but more, it could be a life coach, if, if that makes any sense, or it could be, I don't know, financial advisor, personal trainer, anyone who, who gives you advice, who he, who he or she knows what they're talking about, so to speak. Um, not if they want to, if a person wants to develop, if they don't want to develop, then obviously coaching, I guess, wouldn't work. So I right. see what you mean. <laughs> you don't need it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, hopefully your listeners are up to something, are striving, are reaching sure. for something. And in which case, you know, there's something. Then the 
comes the question, like, what kind of coach? What right. approach do you need? What are, you know, what style fits you? That's mm-hmm. a different conversation. Right. And the thing is, the, the great thing about coaches is that they provide, obviously, accountability. They provide solutions that are customized and tailored to an individual. The, I guess the problem with books is that, um, you know, so many people read books, these personal development books and whatnot, but they don't implement them, uh, <laughs> which is very common. So, and you have to wonder, well, why is that? And I think what it is is that the coach uh, provides you, you know, that one-on-one guidance that a book just can't. And so uh, I think that's so, so important. That's why I think everyone who is striving needs to have a coach. So uh, here's the thing. Obviously, there are so many coaches, uh, you mentioned, with obviously different styles. Uh, What makes you stand out? Uh, What is your competitive advantage as a coach uh, that may make you better than some of the others? Well, I, um, you know, the one coach that's right for that person is not necessarily right for you. If you're not willing to listen to them and work with them, uh, and apply their ideas. So, um, I use a best of framework that continues to evolve. So the approaches that I bring to companies are approaches that are evolving and continuing to update and adapt. They're all things that I use and have used myself in other companies that lots of other people use. So we're using really good approaches, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and I've been in their shoes. I've dealt with the key problems. So people usually come to me for one of two reasons: either they're growing really fast, they don't know how to manage it, um, they're losing their mind, or they uh, stopped growing. And they're trying to recapture some growth. So it's one of those two things that people come to us with. And then we help them put in the right strategy um, that gets the, the thing growing if it hasn't been growing or the good execution and the alignment of the people that helps them to manage the growth if they're already uh, have strong growth. So one way or the other, we're helping them with those two problems, get through it as their partner, as their guide through this period of, of time and challenge where they're doing something really cool. Wonderful. And uh, so obviously uh, you have the experience, you have the skills to help firms that are either growing too fast, right, too, or too quickly, or who essentially uh, have stopped growing and, or need yep. to capture some growth, right, or whatnot. Yep. Um, so obviously you've helped out a lot of firms and individuals. I'm curious, can you, um, tell us any of the most moving or entertaining stories from your life or career? Well, um, the evolution of my own leadership. So here's the deal. There's things you have to do in your company and your team. And then there are things that you have to do with yourself, with the person in the mirror. In, uh, 2002 and uh, the, the period after that, we were dealing with the aftermath of the 2001 downturn, mm. the effects of the, the market uh, change and shift at that point, the, the effects of the September 11th events. All of that had put a, uh, a chill on things and changed the market. And I um, found myself failing as a leader. Um, between my wife and I, we had three companies at that point. Um, we were married. We had two children and a house and all that. All the things that I ever wanted hmm. and accomplished based on my strengths as a leader. Um, and they were the things I'd wanted, and yet I was miserable and unhappy. And in that moment, uh, in that season, in that time, I realized that who I'd been so far as a leader was insufficient. I might 
muddle through or survive or recreate another business or go on. But there was no breakthrough for me. There was only suffering and feeling trapped. And, and in that time, I realized it was time to look for something new, figure out what was missing, figure out what would be the breakthrough for me. And as I considered my whole life, I realized that I had been focused on myself and on being smart and persuasive, articulate, and that that was insufficient, that that wasn't at the end of my life. If that's what people said about me, I would be upset. Hmm. Um, so the breakthrough was required to become someone who was for others generous and contributing and making a difference. And that kind of leadership was not the way that I was leading at the time. Mm. If I did, it was by accident. So in looking back at that, my whole life started to realign my business, my, my family relationships, other kinds of things. And, uh, and I, and then I started to apply new ideas in the business. But the first thing was the evolution of myself Mm -hmm. as a leader. So time and again, as I'm working with people on things from the world of scaling up all of the growth tools and people alignment tools, the good execution habits and the cash optimization and all the kinds of things that we do with people, there's always in the middle of all that, the individual leader. And so we are dealing more and more with that. And who is it that you need and want to be? If your life turns out, if you overcome these challenges, then we start to deal with that leader that you are. What do you have to get good at? What are you already good at? And what do you need to develop? There's a there's a kind of a flywheel for leadership that scales that we've discovered uh, over the 16 years now of working with thousands of people around the world. And uh, we want to continue to get better at that and use that against this leader that we see that we want to be. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that story, uh, you know, a very personal story. Obviously, um, you had succeeded in life, accomplished quite a lot, but you still were feeling miserable and unhappy, but you realized, yeah, I guess you uh, you understood that maybe uh, things were, they were too me-centered, and you realized that you had to help others. And you talked about how, you know, the things people would say about you at the end of your life, and they say that's a big motivator uh, for people to improve. According to a book I read by Stephen Covey, you know, the highly effective habits. Seven habits. Yeah. And he talks a lot about that. So, um, definitely, uh, thank you so much for that story. Obviously, you're helping others tremendously uh, with the coach, uh, as a coach, uh, teaching others and guiding others to to, uh, improve themselves, which must be very rewarding work, I must say. Uh, So, oh, yeah. (laughs) My hat is off to you. You're obviously living your purpose. As Mark Twain says, you, know, you have two birthdays, the day you were born and the day you figure out why. And you know both your birthdays, which is great. <laughs> so uh, I'm curious. Uh, uh, obviously, uh, you've helped a lot of people, uh, but they say that as a, as a business owner, it really helps to, to network and to build relationships. Uh, obviously, you want to get to a point where you mostly or rely, uh, mostly or solely rely on, on referrals. So I, I'm curious, um, and, and this goes for job hunters, people looking for work, not just entrepreneurs. What networking advice would you, would you give to folks? Um, well, I don't know. The, I think that the, you're always going to start with the circle that you already have, um, and. Um, 
and then you're going to bridge out from there. So there's a good book, um, Never Eat Alone. Mm. And to be honest, you could just get that book um, and stick it there in your office or somewhere near you can keep it in eyesight and remember um to connect to take time regularly and and food is one of the best place to do it over a meal is <laughs> people are starting to um connect again um there's opportunity to go have coffee or take a walk if you're in a more constrained thing or get on a zoom session with someone or go to a restaurant or, mm. or whatever works for the time and place that you're in but start to connect out from the people that you're with and then i think the key thing is uh, really twofold that gets in the way so you're building out from your current network but there's two huge things as a leader that are that are really there one is um you're not actually listening to and paying attention to the other person right why um are they there? What do they care about? What are, what's going on with them, really? And if you're only listening for the opening to tell them about your project or your company or whatever it is, <laughs> you're not really being related. The second thing is um, we have then inhibitions about sharing ourselves. If I go ask a five or seven-year-old or whatever what they're up to, what they're excited about, what they want to be when they grow up. They'll be like, I want to be an astronaut. I'm, oh, I want to be this and that. You know, they'll tell you all these things with abandon, without reservation, without feeling like they're going to be stupid or be looked at in a strange way or whatever. There's just, they like give themselves fully to all of life. But as you and I go through life mm -hmm. um, and we say the things that we want and then people snicker at us or laugh or they make a joke or whatever, um, as we all do to each other all of the time, then we start to shut down. And, and then we don't ask people to date us that we'd like to date. And we don't ask people to fund our businesses that we'd like to fund. And we don't, you know, ask people to put us on TV on the shows. That, mm. You know, there's just like this. We get in playing in a smaller and smaller, safer and safer realm. And uh, and we don't really develop and expand. And, and I, so, one, we've got to be related to the other people. And two, we've got to be able to give ourselves fully and with courage. And courage is not like waiting to be not fearful. Courage is being afraid, feeling that gulp in your pulse rise and your breath um, change, and then asking anyway and sharing anyway. Mm. So, you know, I connect to you and whatever, and I hear what you're up to, and I say, well, the reason that I came today and that I wanted to meet out with you is I'm working on this project, and I love your feedback on it, or I love... Uh, maybe uh, have you tell me hmm. right Bill are you still there Bill Bill? We were rocking and rolling. Bill? Bill?
and you've reached my voicemail. Leave a message here. I'll call you back as soon as I can. Hey, Bill, it looks like the phone call dropped. Um, so, yeah, I definitely would love to continue the interview. Uh, I'll, I'll try back uh, in a couple seconds or so. All right. All right. Thank you very much, Bill. Uh, hello, Bill. Is that, are you there? Hello? Hey, Bill, can you hear me? I can hear you. Great. Wonderful. Yeah, you were talking about networking and, and feedback and whatnot. Yes, I don't know where you lost me. Yeah, it was about, we were answering the question about networking and, you know, about how people tend to be scared and they're, sh they're shrinking courage and and feedback and, you know, you yeah. Want, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, as uh, you know, uh, the thing is that we want to share ourselves fully mm -hmm. and courageously and passionately and, and then be interested in how the other person contribute or what they I, feedback or ideas they have or like that kind of thing. But if I'm really listening to you and connecting with you and then I tell you what I'm up to mm. and I'm open to what you have to say about it, then the, the networking is natural and it's gimmick free mm. and, uh, and it's effective. Right. I love that. And so you talk about when it comes to networking, starting with the circle you have. You know, and I think that's so important. People tend to overlook those folks. And uh, you recommended the book Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi. Great book. Yes. Love yeah. that book. Yeah. And you talked about that, that two-part uh, equation. The first one is, you know, you always want to say, you know, you, know, you want to give the person your undivided attention. You know, why are, why are they there, right, and talking to you. And this, the second part is you want to unleash your inner child and uh, <laughs> uh, share yourself and, and uh, open yourself to the world, what's out there, and uh, have courage and whatnot. Right. Leave the comfort zone. The magic happens again outside that comfort zone. And, you know, it reminded me of a TEDx talk uh, by a guy who, t uh, who talks about 100 days of rejection. Uh, so overcoming the fear of no, I, I'm going to have to email that to you. I think you'll get a kick out of it. Um, so again, thank you so much for that great advice. And, uh, I'm curious, uh, what advice would you give to someone who says, you know, uh, you know, I love what Bill's doing. I want to do what Bill's doing. I want to be a coach. Uh, w what would you say to them? Awesome. Go be a coach. Um, I think, though, you want to coach in an area that you know something about. You don't have to be the best in the world to coach, right? Like, um, Michael Jordan had a coach. Um, Tiger Woods had a coach. Um, we all have coaches, and very often the coach hasn't done more or better than we've done. Um, so there's, you don't have to get hung up about accomplishing it, but you want to get some mastery of the things that you're coaching and and get it to the point that you can use it and teach others to mm. use it effectively right and I, we do see a lot of people now in their uh bless their heart they're like 23 years old and they're i'm gonna coach people to build a huge business i'm like have you ever built a business well no but i'm starting now with my coaching business i'm like okay <laughs> I need to settle down a little bit, like, and and start coaching in the domain or whatever. So it doesn't mean that you have to be old and great a coach, um, 
but you want to co- you want to have some grounding and some mastery of the things you are teaching, training, encouraging, and there's lots of different models of coaching. One of them is much more like list, just really listening mm. and helping people to figure stuff out for themselves. Another one is more like. Uh, you know, like a tennis coach in the beginning is going to teach you certain things. They, in the beginning, they're more like a teacher, mm-hmm. and then over time, they're giving you feedback on what they see that you're doing and how. But they're giving you new approaches, and that kind of thing. That's different than um, I'm just providing counseling, right? I'm listening to you and and encouraging you to keep reaching, you mm-hmm. know, and. and finding for yourself so different styles of coaching different areas right um there's financial coaches and there's um you know all all manner of there's fitness coaches there's food coaches there's relationship coaches there's dating coaches Mm. there's life coaches that kind of thing life coaches is one of the more nebulous ones um and i think within that people would benefit from a little focus right is it about the career is it about relationships is it about design of your life what is it exactly (laughs) right it's very general yeah um and spiritual coaches too (laughs) spiritual coaches right and uh right and there's probably some domain there that they specialize in and work in like that right like uh tm transcendental meditation Transcendental meditation. Yes, my parents took me to one of those when I was, I don't know, six or something. First <laughs> mantra. You know, Paul McCartney um, is a big uh, uh, transcendental meditation guy. Um, so, so thank you so much for that. Obviously, uh, when it comes to becoming a coach, you want to have some grounding and mastery in a certain domain or area. You don't have to be the king of it, so to speak, but you have to have some, again, grounding and mastery. And obviously, uh, there's coaches in, in many different areas. So, so I suppose people could have several different, multiple coaches, one for food, one for relationships. Good, I've often had. I've had a, a running coach, a swimming coach, uh, a overall fitness coach, a financial coach, a speaking coach. Wow. Um and a uh, workshop leader coach. I, at one point, I probably had seven or eight coaches. Wow. Um, yeah. Wow. That's amazing. That's incredible. So you practice what you preach when it comes to coaching. So I For love sure. that. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So you, you kind of touched on this already, but what advice would you give to someone who is looking for a coach? How should they go about it? Well, I think there's two big things. Why do you want to coach? What are you building or reaching for that's of interest for the coaching? Um, I think even if you just in general want to be someone who lives a life, you know, that's that's growth-oriented and you're reaching for coaching, still you want to think about the specific goal to create a game for the coaching relationship. The second thing is, I think you want to think about your gap or, like, why you can't do it on your own. Um, If you're so sure 
you know, that your poop doesn't stink, then <laughs> don't get a coach. So have something in mind and, and be clear about the kind of coaching that you're open to or what the boundaries are. I have people who I've worked with over the years who are like, you know, I really want to get a coach now because I want to do this. And then they're like, yeah, I already know that. Yeah, I already know that. Yeah, I already know that. They know everything and they know everything and they're pretty sure of all the things. I'm like, fine, we're done. <laughs> don't bother I'll go work with somebody who's open to trying new things <laughs> I love that posture by the way <laughs> right yeah you know I look I had somebody uh, last week who said they didn't want to work with me um, that I talked to and I was kind of interested in working with them I'm like fine go work with somebody you want to work with it's fine we'll find somebody else yeah you know yeah. I, I stay busy all the time so <laughs> <laughs> you're not desperate for work you're not you know so and i think that makes people like i've been doing this a while right yeah. and and they're and when and when you're working with somebody that you love mm. it's awesome right yeah. there's people that will call you all the time and they want extra coaching and that's not a burden that's awesome mm. that means somebody is gonna like really dig in and apply your work and um mm. and and leverage it and then when they have, are successful they're going to say yeah that was my coach you want people like that mm -hmm. I think that's amazing and and usually that that works well in sales too uh, I was going to mention that when you take it away from them they, they want it even more if that <laughs> so oh, sometimes yeah and the, true in dating also yes uh, it's funny how a lot of things when it comes to dating and sales and business is very relatable you know um, on something. Yeah, you know, desperation is actually counterproductive, I think, in sales and in dating. Oh, of course, <laughs> is one. That's as old as the kill. You can like, oh yeah, right. I can smell it on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, here's the thing. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this. Obviously, we've been talking a lot about uh, coaching and particularly business coaching, but uh, there's obviously, uh, as you already know, and I think most people know, there's a high failure rate with new businesses. Most of them fail within the first couple of years. Uh, I'm curious, why do you think that is that most entrepreneurs fail to 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 you know to have a successful business? And what should entrepreneurs do uh, to turn that around? Well, I think um, there are a million reasons why that might happen, and maybe more. Um, but there are probably a couple big areas. And I think that, um, although I don't really deal with the startup stage much, um, I deal with people as they're starting to scale up. They have something that's working, and they just are trying to, like, dominate their, their world mm -hmm. um, in, the, in their category or whatever they do. Um, I think it comes with a, down to a fixation on ourself, our solution, rather than the problem out there in the world and the value that people need. So, you know, you, they say build a better mousetrap and the world will beat a path to your door. That's bullshit. Um, not everybody is uh, is trying to kill mice. <laughs> and uh, you got to look out at what your customer about, what your opportunity needs and do that. And I think there's an awful lot of fixation on, well, here's who I am and here's my jam and here's what makes me special and here's this idea I had. It's going to be really big because everybody's going to want it. And then, you know, you either find not that many people want it or it sounds like poison to them or um, or they just don't like your, you know, they don't like your solution or, um, 
or the way you sell it is inadequate. Like, there's a million reasons. But if you keep focusing on what's needed in the world, mm. um, you know, Elon Musk looked out of the world and he said, uh, he said, well, we really need to be uh, not dependent on fossil fuels. We need to be a multi-planetary species. We need to be able to do transactions on the internet. He, he found big problems, and then he started to tackle those problems. Mm. He looked at um, electric cars, and he said, well, these are ugly. I'm going to make a sexy, fun one. Mm. And and people are like, yeah, I want the sexy, fun one. You know, for years, Detroit shoveled just really dreadful cars at us for decades. Mm. And and they clapped themselves on the back and told themselves how cool they were, and they, they launched rich Corinthian leather and that kind of thing. It's a very dated reference to an old uh, car, but um, uh, but the um, they didn't ever give us the cool cars that they showed. So they would produce these amazing concept cars, and then they would, you know, ship out the Citation or the whatever the Nova or the this or that. Like pick a jillion um, generic cars out there mm. um, in the past, and Tesla came along and. You know, they, they gave us one of those cars that when you walked up, the doors, uh, the door handles opened for you. And then um, when you put your foot into it, the, the not only did the whole dash light up like magic panel, but then it snapped your head back. It was mm. so powerful. Wow. And, um, and, and so the, the first time I got in a Tesla Model S... And the Tesla Roadster, I thought, was really cool when it came out, just because it was kind of fun. But it was more like a hobbyist, unusual car. Mm. Uh, but they took a Lotus, and they put an electric power <laughs> in it. It made it sexy and fun. And uh, But the Model S was like those concept cars. So they saw an opportunity, and they did something unique and compelling. Not some watered-down, designed-by-committee, and improved-by-the-accounting department kind of nonsense. And, and, I mean, those really expensive cars. Mm. Uh, but... They are. They sell a ton of them, right? Um, and I think the same thing is true. Like, there's some innovation needed now. In the in uh, in their rockets today, right? They are producing these rockets that are beginning to produce economies of scale, yeah. uh, uh, efficiencies, cost effectiveness that was just unpredictable. Well, scale too, um, because they're reusing the rockets mm. and they're honing it and they're not afraid for a rocket to blow up every now and then as they work on getting it tweaked right they'll practice it rather than do it uh and argue themselves into uh, circles and committees they'll actually fly a few and blow them up and then fix them and figure out what went wrong and iterate on it and that whole thing but produce something that actually makes it better mm. um meanwhile the boeing capsule still isn't really flying and is a mess of stuff and offers no real compelling advantage um you know so i i, I hate to be just an elon booster but he is um doing things noticeably different. same thing with steve jobs like there's a ton of things that were out there that others invented and created but they put them together in a compelling way they mm. made the whole thing work and you know starting with things like uh, the iPod, which, you know, there were, there, if anybody remembers the Rio MP3 players, there were loads of MP3 players. You could load them up, mm. and you could get a little app, and then you could load it, you could tweak them, put them, whatever. It was way too much work. Um, and, and then he's like, you know what? A 
uh, Baka song. You don't want the whole album. You just want the song. Like they disrupted and gave something that someone needed. They mm. solved a real problem. Mm. And uh, just getting fixated on something that nobody needs doesn't make a difference. Which is why what's cool about like the Singularity University programs that um, executives and young entrepreneurial minded people will go through it at at singularity they look for huge global problems and then they start thinking about how to solve them but their fixation is on the problem not on their solution Hmm. wonderful thank you so much for that great answer and i think i heard similar advice from someone else the idea of you know obviously if you come up with a concept there has to be demand for it the problem has to be big enough that you know people want to buy what you're selling to solve their problem, and so it it helps to start, you know, on the other side of the equation. You know, what yes. are the big problems out there? Uh, what is yes. you know, and and it's interesting as they say, necessity is the mother of all invention, and you know, see what people are complaining about and and whatnot, and and work from there. I think that's a great idea. And you know what? We throw out a slogan like that. Necessity is the mother of all invention. Everybody knows that. They've said it. But we don't stop to think about, well, what does that really mean? Mm-hmm. And then we go to innovate. Like, let's, well, let's develop an innovation program at our company. Or let me get with my buddies and let's do some innovation. Let's let's just brainstorm and freestyle some ideas. And, you know, maybe we'll do some things to loosen up. Maybe we'll have a drink or get high or we'll do some other <laughs> business and and we'll like get loosened up and we'll, we'll come up with crazy ideas and one of those will be a business no necessity is the mother of invention if that statement has any validity to it you want to invent the lever throw somebody in a cave with a bunch of rocks mm-hmm. and a stick and they will figure it out right that you gotta find that problem or create a problem and there's a um, we talk about the economic crisis or this crisis or that crisis. The word crisis is um, is an old Greek word and it means turning point. Mm. Um, and we come to associate it with something negative, like a, a problem. But it, it, it literally means like a fork in the road or a place where we are faced with a choice and a decision and something's forced. And if you think about it from that standpoint, right, foment. Create your own crisis, right? Mm. Figure out how to put yourself out of business. And then go create that product. Mm. I love it, actually. And actually, you're teaching me something new. Um, You said that crisis in Greek means turning point? Yeah. Oh, okay. I I used to say crisis in Chinese also included opportunity. uh, But it turns out that wasn't entirely correct. So I like this one a lot. Well, there is a there is a a, a chi- there is a thing there um, about opportunity and peril, right? Mm-hmm. And there are both in a turning point, which is why when you lean into a time of change, mm-hmm. that you'll figure something out. So the people that figured out how to adapt their restaurant and, mm-hmm. and send food home and maybe change their menu and do that kind of thing are still in business. The people who are like, no, I'm all about indoor dining. It's fine. You could be totally about that. And you may be out of business today. Right. Yeah, and I was going to mention that, how so many restaurants were able to pivot. They took the crisis and saw uh, saw it as an opportunity, and they adapted, they changed. They uh, they focused on their own problem. They figured out how to solve it, so to speak. And 
I think uh, it was Winston Churchill who said that with, with every crisis there's an op opportunity. Uh, I totally believe that to be true. Crisis yeah. is uh, separating decision, judgment, event, outcome, turning point, sudden mm. change in Greek. Wow. I love that. Um, definitely. It's a turning point that requires a decision or a choice. Okay. I'm definitely going to be using that from now on, just so you know. So thank you for that. <laughs> And uh, so, uh, obviously, as a coach, uh, you impart a lot of life lessons onto people. You shared a lot with us uh, with our during our conversation. I'm curious. In addition to the wisdom you've provided already, what other important life lessons uh, have you learned yourself or from others? And this applies to everyone, not just entrepreneurs. Uh, ask the question again. You're sure. Asking what other life lessons? Sure. In addition to the wisdom you've already provided, uh, what other important life lessons have you learned yourself or from others that you'd love to share with us? And this could apply to anyone and everyone. <laughs> well, I, I'm 56, so there's lots and lots of it, you know. If I'm honest, there's endless life lessons, and and I'm not so arrogant to think that my answers are any better than anyone else's but uh but i um i somewhere about so one of my core values um in business is is never finished and it's the idea that we should always be growing and reaching um michael jackson said don't stop till you get enough uh, i don't think you should ever stop like you know you should always be reaching for something mm -hmm. until you stop breathing um Hmm. So, you know, it ain't over till it's over, as they said, or whatever. Like, just keep, keep on keeping on. Right. I love that. And you know, it's interesting how they say that if you want to live a long life, they one of the things uh, that they recommend is to never retire. You know, and yeah, I uh, and they, there's truth to that, according to studies that have been done. How people who retired and died earlier um, than people who didn't retire. So there's truth to that, and you know, I, I remember interviewing another guest who happened to be a business coach. He said he was gonna, he was gonna do this until, until the wheels came off, so to speak, <laughs> until the wheels fall yeah. off. Uh, and I, I loved it. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, keep on keeping on. I, I totally agree with that 100. percent And Don't stop believing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, uh, curious uh, what what book recommendations do you have for folks you mentioned never eat alone do you have anything else for us well if you could see if we we're on camera you'd see that i'm surrounded by bookshelves all over my office so there's always something new um i haven't read half the books in here i've, I've scanned scanned them mm -hmm. there's a stack of books that i should be reading over there uh by my easy chair and um so there's always more that we should be reading um, I'm not sure, um, I would say the book is, uh, going to be dictated by whatever you're dealing with mm. in the moment, right? That book that's most meaningful at any point of life has to do with whatever is going on for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so it just depends. That's not a very good answer. Like, I don't know. No worries. Right no worries. No worries. Um, obviously, when it comes to book recommendations, it's based on what a person likes, what, what they're trying to accomplish. Totally get that. Just so you know, I have the same problem. So many books, very little time. Uh, so, I, right. I feel you. So the book <laughs> that we use the most is called Scaling Up, 
and it's a it's a whole framework for getting your business going. Okay. And so, for sure, that's one to uh, for people to check out because we haven't mentioned it directly. Okay, scaling up. Okay, great. Um, and that's a book I'll definitely uh, check out and 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 take a look at. So, uh, also, when it comes to these books, and obviously, if you have very little time, I, I definitely recommend reading summaries of books. Um, I mean, I've I gotten into reading summaries, and they're great. It saves you a lot of time. Uh, so, yes. it's something to yeah. look into. All right. Well, an awful lot of books are, um, you know, there's a, there's a core idea, and then there's a whole lot of stories. And you can really just get the core idea. But until you start to hear the stories, mm. a lot of times the idea doesn't really connect with you. Mm. You don't see yourself in it. You don't really picture what it means. You just get a concept of something, mm. right? So we start to hear the stories. Like, if you read the book Scaling Up, the vast majority of it is in the first 18 pages. It's really dry. It's a little hard to read the, those first 18 pages. But the richness all comes out in the subsequent chapters that break down and share stories and examples mm. of all of those ideas mm. in the opening um, put into practice. Mm. Right. And stories are a great way to teach people. And stories are <laughs> definitely amazing. And I, I grew up uh, reading Aesop's Fables, which, you know, always had a moral at the end. And, you know, just having the moral without the story kind of left you yes. <laughs> with an incomplete yes. meal, right? Makes it memorable. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so I, there is something to that uh, for sure, definitely. So, um, obviously, this is the point where I, I um, give the question about if you're ever going to write a book yourself uh, and be an author. Uh, you, you, you mentioned Scaling Up, which I think uh, I'm definitely going to check out. Uh, yeah. All right, going forward. So I've been writing uh, sure. for a few years now, actually, a book about uh, really two ideas. The, uh, the core thing is that the leader that you've been so far is not what you're limited to. Marshall Goldsmith said it in his book, um, What Got You Here Will got, Get You There. Mm. Um, and it's this idea that, that that's insufficient. So what are you going to do beyond that? Um, the, the, the book is really about how to invent your future self as a leader. So the fifth decision is really, after the four decisions of the Scaling Up book, is about who you are going to need or want to become. Mm. And then we take people through mastering the, um, the leadership flywheel that scales your leadership as you work through small teams to many thousands of people that you're leading. Wow. So you, you've been writing that for a while now. When will it be released? I have no idea. Oh. I, I make no promises yet about that. All right. All right. Well, definitely keep me posted on that. I'll be the first person online. When it's ready. Okay. <laughs> it, it, it's on your time. Not, you know, it's fine. Yes. Um, I'll be waiting. Uh, <laughs> so definitely just alert me. I'll be the first person online to check it out. And uh, So you have at least one customer. Okay. And uh, Thank you. To, you got to start somewhere. So, uh, I when I was doing my research on you, I, I noticed you're also a podcaster, a fellow podcaster, which is amazing. Could you talk to us about your show? So I, uh, I have a show called the Scaling Up Business Podcast, and we do three shows a week on different aspects of scaling and growing your business. Um, 
we have pretty great worldwide listenership. And these days, most of our recordings we do live, so you can you can watch them live mm, yeah. um, on YouTube. Uh, but the vast majority of our folks are listening while they drive or run or do whatever. Um, so we get quite a bit of uh, of listenership like that. Wonderful, amazing. Um, definitely want to check out that podcast and be a listener. Thank you so much for sharing it and and whatnot. So um, obviously, I just wanted to, of course, thank you for being a guest on the show. This has been an enlightening and inspiring and educational conversation. Uh, can you go ahead and, and describe all the ways that people can can reach out and get in touch with you if they want to put a dynamic center of influence in their network? Uh, so the simple thing, I mean, they can go listen to the podcast, and it's all over everywhere. I'm on socials, things like that. But my website is scalingcoach.com. And so if they just go to scalingcoach.com, they can find the website. They can find me and our socials and all the rest of that kind of thing. So, I, you know, I have an active Instagram feed where I share amusing things on the more playful side. Uh, we put our live streams out on our YouTube channel and on our Facebook group. And um, so there's lots of places where you can get stuff, but it all revolves around Scaling Coach. Okay, wonderful. So um, people should definitely check out that site. Um, I'm going to have it listed in the episode description area so people can see it and read it there. Okay, so thank you so much for that. And definitely going to be checking out the Instagram uh, to hear that music, of course. And <laughs> so, um, again, uh, I wanted to thank you for being a guest on the show and thank you to the audience for listening. Do you want to leave us with any last word or final send-off? Or? <laughs> I need my neon sign. Uh, no, keep scaling. Thanks for having me on. You got it. Thank you for, for coming on as a guest, Bill. Um, so I'm going to see you guys uh, in the next episode. Everyone have a wonderful and blessed day. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. Before you go, just real quick, um, if you can just do me a favor, if you can head over uh, to the uh, Apple Podcast app, and if you're not there already, and if you can leave me a five-star review, that would be great. Um, if you love the show, if you can just go ahead and do that, and that will help uh, to spread the word about the show, and other people can enjoy the show as much as you do. And so if you can do that, that would mean the world to me. And also, if you want to email me uh, with any feedback or any praise or support, um, please feel free to go ahead and do that. And you can also email me to request to be put on our email list. Uh, so uh, we can uh, send you out emails uh, when new episodes come out. So uh, thank you very much for being a fan of the show. Thank you for listening to the show and supporting the show. So if you can do that, go out and give us a, a five-star review on the Apple Podcast uh, app. Uh, that would be great. And if you can email us. So we can put you on the email list and email us with feedback and praise. That'd be amazing. Uh, thank you so much, and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Take care. Bye-bye.